Kirby Alpern, Timo Nebraska, and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making one of his regular appearances in the program. It's one of his regular appearances in Fangraphs Audio, former Pirates beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, also author of Big Data Baseball. He's currently working on a book with Ben Lindbergh, tentatively titled The Makeover Machine, Examination of Innovation in Baseball. It's Travis Sochik. Travis Sochik is the guest, and on this edition of the program, as he does during all of his appearances, what Travis Sochik does is introduce us to, bring us to a world of baseball and ideas, a world that is populated by equal parts baseball and then also ideas, that kind of world. And one idea in particular in the case of this episode, which is realignment, the realignment of baseball's teams, perhaps the addition of a couple of teams. Travis Sochik, admittedly, is a realignment zealot, a realignment evangelist, and he explains here how uh, how realignment would be good for cultivating local rivalries, how realignment would benefit players by reducing travel, and how, as he recently explained in electronic pages of Fangrass.com, how it would render the All-Star Game a true spectacle. One can count on Sachik's thoughts regarding all those matters and what's to follow. Also, uh, he uh, he shares what he thinks about Fangrass Audio as a program overall. I think it's awful, and I would like to see it gone. That candid, hurtful comment, and others like it, uh, in what's to follow before we get to that conversation. It is both my privilege and also my professional obligation obligation, to announce that Fangraphs memberships exist. For reasonable sum, readers of Fangraphs.com can support the great work that appears in those electronic pages and, for a slightly less reasonable sum, readers of Fangraphs.com can acquire what is known as an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, not only facilitating faster loading speeds, but also liberating one and the tyranny and the distortive effects of advertising. Fangraphs membership and ad-free membership available at Fangraphs.com by going to that URL and then clicking around. Just click, 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 click. Ad-free membership. With that advertisement now complete, let us move on to our conversation. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Idea man, Travis Sachik. And what does it begin? Right now. No, I think I would feel self-conscious saying, let's rock and roll. <laughs> I would feel as though I had not personally earned it. And I also feel as though probably very few people have actually earned it. Perhaps it's too emphatic. Yeah. And it's, a. I mean, now that I'm a dad, maybe I would feel more comfortable saying it because it really, <laughs> really, really gongs the bell of lameness. <laughs> pretty lame. Uh, pretty yeah. lame. But it, then again, if like vintage, like... If Prime Mick Jagger said it, he'd be like, yeah, I guess we should start rocking and rolling. <laughs> it seems to be like the appropriate course of action for us. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, for, for Jagger, it certainly was. It was appropriate. Do you feel as though um... – okay, wait. I would like to say, first of all, I think you already know this, but I, I feel comfortable stating it for my own benefit, if not for anyone else's. You understand that my questions tend to be posed in a spirit of entire – complete naivety. Is that right? <laughs> I believe that's a fair assessment. <laughs> okay, good. All right. For you, so I will tell you that the – so again, all uh, – it's a very embarrassing revealing any personal facts, in particular the personal the personal facts that are about to follow. The movie School of Rock, do you remember this one? Directed, I think, by Richard Linklater starring Jack Black. I saw the previews. Okay. Did not see the movie. You don't really need to have seen it. I will say that I was touched much more than I anticipated by this movie. Okay. Um it's about a ne'er-do-well kind of uh, untalented rock and roll musician in what appears to be some sort of Midwestern metropolis, perhaps Milwaukee, <laughs> who uh, accidentally begins teaching a class of private school kids. They form a band. They win uh, or they compete in a uh, sort of battle of the bands type thing. That's all you really need to know. But the character, I believe his name is Dewey Finn, is a, a sort of accidental scholar of rock and roll, a connoisseur, scholar, enthusiast, okay. all sorts of these things. And uh, I guess it, for me, what it did was to kind of, I don't know if coalesce is the right word, it articulated this sort of vision of rock that I, is kind of messy and uh, unbridled that I, I, probably, I probably understood intuitively, but it made it more clear for me. And it led me to think like there's something that is like, you know, there's like a platonic ideal of rock and roll, right? Sure. 
But I guess my question for you is, what do you feel is, what do you feel, Travis Sachik, in your heart and in your mind, is the is the sort of platonic ideal of rock and roll, whether it's a particular band or or song or even just moment. Hmm. <laughs> or or al- alternative answer is you don't care. <laughs> well, I, I I haven't put much thought into this. Uh, mm-hmm. When I think of rock and roll, what do I think of? Yeah. Is there an er? An yeah, I, I don't know if I think of any. I just think of like a guitar riff. I don't think of anyone in particular. Oh, so a guitar. I sort of is it. A, is it a guitar riff to a particular song, or is it the sort of a, the idea of a guitar riff, or a face being made while the a guitar is being played? <laughs> just somebody rocking out, man. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who says, "Let's rock and roll." Let's and rock then and begins. roll. Yeah. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. Tyler Naquin when he you know slid home that inside the park home run a couple years ago and just put the two fingers in the air. He's ready to rock and roll, man. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to roll. rock and roll? Are you ready to rock and roll, Travis? <laughs> <laughs> it's an American sentiment. Okay, so there's some, so you would say part of it for you is there's something distinctly American about it, even though you have to concede that certainly two of the most famous rock and roll bands ever are British. <laughs> I will concede that, yes. There is something to be said. And of course, well, European Americans have done a lot of uh, co-opting and uh, repurposing of their own uh, with jazz, for example. But it, there is something to be said for the people who pick up on a movement as the ones who invent it. So if, if, we, if we suggest that rock and roll is some combination of what, like, Jazz and blues and rockabilly, which is kind of a combination of those, I guess. I, I'm I'm not a music scholar, so this could be all wrong. And um, I have I do not care if I'm wrong. Is <laughs> is even more important that I would like this thing to say. But the, uh, I think essentially the way I understand the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and many other British bands were very enthusiastic about this sound, right? In a way that perhaps because it was not happening near them, it added. And this is going to, this is what we call a segue of gold. This is a, no, this is maybe a platinum grade segue. <laughs> it added, it added a, uh, it added a layer, uh, some mystery to it. It, it, it oh. placed it in, in a shroud of mystery. And so there was this romance attached to it because it was not near them. It was something that existed in a different place that could not be fully known. And therefore one's imagination would complete the incomplete picture. Do you see? It's wonderful. And do you see? Do you see what, what we've done here? <laughs> but uh, we've uh, we've we've dived, we've divin into the unknown, and uh, we've come out accidentally uh, discussing Travis Sochik's contribution to Fangrass.com today. Yeah, you should give a lecture on the art of the segue. Mm. And I, would I do it? Now would I do it while standing on a on a segue? Uh, perhaps behind a, a lectern. A lectern. Yeah, I think a lectern's more. <laughs> More dignified, certainly. No, no, you can't look like. Could you imagine James Dean on a Segway? No, there. It's no. an absurd uh, mode of transportation. <laughs> it, is. it really is. Did you know that the term rock and roll is coined in Cleveland, Ohio, and from the shores of Bay Village, you can see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Is that right? Yeah. And when I, when I think of rock and roll, I also think of sort of a enthusiastic recklessness. The term, what's rock and roll? Yeah, uh, we're enthusiastic about the prospect of something, but we're also going to dive in without perhaps thinking of every consequence of mm-hmm. what we're about to do. Yeah. And that's sort of what I feel like when I come on a podcast with you. I'm enthusiastic, okay, right. but I haven't necessarily planned for it. Right. Yeah. Are we about to rock and roll? <laughs> Are we currently rocking and or rolling? Yeah. Yeah. That's what comes to mind. Okay. All right. Wait, did, wait, did you ever have... I'm going to ask you about that, uh, your article in one moment. It is, of course, an article... Of, rethinking not only well, how, which way should i phrase it? i said rethinking not only how baseball clubs are aligned by division and league but also what impact that could have on the all-star game that is the teaser that's the uh, that's the um, that's the main dish here <laughs> uh but th- i'm i'm curious cuz i've met you before i think that you have uh <laughs> you have a very bright mind and you clearly um you clearly that's very kind of you, Carson. Enjoy. Well, okay, let me take <laughs> the that check back. is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that back. But you, you enjoy doing work with big ideas, with um, innovative ideas. I'm not saying maybe you don't have <laughs> that bright in mind, but you, but you're at least you're you're fascinated by those those sorts of subjects. I think that's clear. I do. I I enjoy. Right. Uh, I think a lot of what we do at Fangraphs is drilling down to small studies, whether it's yeah. a player or a particular trend. 
Mm-hmm. But I also like I don't I enjoy the bigger picture looks yeah, you and enjoy, questions yeah. too. You I don't know if all the readers enjoy it, but I enjoy it. Yeah. You enjoy you enjoy uh reaching a cruising altitude of thirty to forty thousand feet. <laughs> yes. Looking down. J Travis Sachuk will be your captain for this flight. That's that's really how you begin every post, isn't it? <laughs> Taking a flight into my imagination. What I wanted to ask say though is that you know, while you clearly have an active mind, I would say generally your appearance is is somewhat on the conservative side, right? You do not have any kind of uh, buzz cut, any kind of um, you do not wear uh, particularly flamboyant clothing. <laughs> no, <clears throat> you, have zero, you, you have zero. You have zero Gucci belts. Uh, None, as best I know, zero. None. Yeah. So, so I'm curious though. Did Travis Sachek have any kind of punk phase or anything along those lines, or perhaps a mm. new wave phase? During which you listened exclusively to, uh, you know, David Bowie and the, and uh, a different David Byrne, David Byrne. I have I did not. I believed you went through a phase like this. Have yeah, we discussed we're not, this? We're not talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is you see the segue that I just made <laughs> oh, okay. talking about you. <laughs> All right, yeah, and you, yeah. You, you've actually brought out a lectern for the express purpose of delivering it. I see that yeah. now. No, I, I guess I was just curious. Did you ever have anything like that? You you never did, though. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, we. I guess every teenager has some sort of rebellious phase, but mine did not include David Bowie or you know, rock and roll. No fashion. No fashion. No, okay. Day. You ever listen to Dead Kennedys? No. You never listen. Yeah. No. What was your greatest act of rebellion, Travis Sochik? And then we will really move on <laughs> to this to this excellent work. Teaming with originality on uh, how to improve the Oscar game, but what was your what was your greatest act of rebellion? My greatest act of rebellion. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was moving to the west side of Cleveland. Maybe it's ongoing. <laughs> I, I grew up on the east side of Cleveland. I moved to the west side. That oh, is yeah. a yeah. I that's a great act of rebellion. You think this? A lot of people yeah. don't. If you're an east sider, you often never venture over to the west side, and vice versa. Okay. So I would say my acts of rebellion are ongoing. Do you think that you do you think that the West Side has embraced you? No. <laughs> I would say very few people know that I live reside on the West Side. Yeah. And I haven't made any friends here really. Okay. <laughs> so, I would say quite the uh, quite the opposite. Hard it's uh, not always not always easy to make friends as an adult, but I would just, Now what what do you think? Now Sam's not in uh, kindergarten yet, right? Your son Sam. He is not. No, uh, but I have a feeling that once uh, that once he enters kindergarten, you start, if not earlier, you're going to start me- meeting. Uh, you're going to start meeting the his friends' parents. I suspect so, and I'm sure that'll be a wonderful time. Yeah, what and a, they'll probably be like, "Excuse me, what's, play dates? What, what's your name?" They're going to say, "What's your name, Travis Sot? Tra- are you are you not the Travis Sotcher, though, Right? <laughs> Do you think they'll say that? No, uh, I don't. You know, at the Fangraphs meetup, someone thought I was Jonah Carey. Yeah. They they approached me and told me how much they loved the extra two percent. <laughs> I said I didn't write that book. <laughs> <laughs> you said I wrote uh, Big Data Baseball, and they said, "Hmm, not familiar with that one." Oh, they claim to have also read that book Is and that also right? have loved it, but I, I I wasn't quite sure if I I was skeptical. Did you press them at all? Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I think there's sufficient embarrassment where they don't want to linger. Who's doing the, the heavy lifting on this makeover machine book? Is it you or Lindbergh? Oof. Would you say? Would you say? You know, that's a good question. I feel, I feel like it's fairly balanced. Yeah. Okay. Would you describe Lynn, Would you describe him as a taskmaster? <laughs> uh, I think I think Ben is a uh, industrious fellow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, it's no doubt that he's industrious. Yeah. I do not care for the rate at which he publishes uh, podcasts slash posts, etc. Well, when you don't sleep, you have many more hours in the day to do things. Right? Yeah, but I yeah. yeah. See, that's the thing. I do not care for it because it, I have to imagine him working. That's my only complaint. I'm not. I'm not speaking to the quality of the work. It's only the fact that I have to imagine him doing it all, and that is what. Uh, that's something that um, I, I. I don't know. I cannot abide. <laughs> I can't support someone working that much. Again, no. This has nothing to do with the quality of his work or even him. His, him as a human being. He's he's only ever been perfectly friendly, intelligent, charming when we've spoken. It just makes me think about work, Travis. Yeah, it offends your European sensibilities. That's true. Yeah. Southern European. <laughs> Southern European. Yeah, those are the lazy ones. <laughs> let me let me ask you: When you write a post uh, like the sort you wrote today, which was ingeniously titled "How Realignment Could Improve the All Star Game," yes, I did not come up with that title. Oh wait, wait, who did? Who did? Okay, the uh, 
when you write a piece like this, right, in which you, well, why don't you summarize your your basic thesis? Yes, and we should be able to, to really know the subject, I should be able to do this quickly. Yeah, I guess you, you did produce it. <laughs> well, I, I feel like the All-Star game has lost some luster, mm-hmm. but it's yet, yet it's still the, after World Series, I think it's usually the second most watched baseball event. So it's still an important baseball date on the calendar, and it just got me thinking about ways to, you know, a lot of people have ideas about how to improve the All-Star game, but I, I think one ties into another passion of mine, that is rearranging the baseball map through realignment. It, you, you dedicate no little time to this endeavor. Yeah, I think that the, with 32 teams seemingly inevitable, it opens up a lot of possibilities for scheduling and redrawing the map, all sorts of things. And I do think the Ulster game and the World Series would benefit from some mystery, some unknown. We know so much about the game. Every game's on television. Every pitch and batted ball is recorded by StatCast and pitch tracking tools. Every highlight is immediately made into a, a GIF. There are a few secrets. But I thought, what, as a kid, one of the cool things about the All-Star game was you never really had... This was the only time of year, outside of spring training or potentially the World Series, where stars of the other leagues met. And that sort of added some intrigue to the matchup. Also for the World Series, I like the fact that uh, we don't really... We didn't really have an understanding of the strength of either league and how they would match up. And... I don't know. I think there is something to having a little bit more mystery in the game, I think, would be beneficial in an age where we know where the information is so rich and we know so much. I don't want to know everything. You draw the comparison to Shoei Otani, which I think was, I think that was a laudable move because... (laughs) Thank you. Well, though, but of course, Otani, there was the, right, there was this great sense of the unknown and... Right. right. it, 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 It allowed... The fact that he had been playing, well, of course, he was playing in a very in a very different league, not American or National, but the uh, the MPB, and that allowed the legend of Otani to grow. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think. The, I mean, the off season, the early part of the off season, was all about Otani, and part of the excitement was the unknown. Right? We didn't know was this guy going to be a ten win player? Was he going to be completely overmatched as a hitter? Oh, there are all sorts of questions that we were so interested to find out. We could make educated guesses and projections, but we didn't really know. We had uh, nothing. There had been no historical comps in our generation, and really not in a hundred years of a player trying to do this. So, uh, yeah, I thought that really added to the intrigue of Otani and why he was such a fascinating off-season story. I think it's also why we like prospects. We don't. I mean, part of the reason we like prospects is people like to hope that the next thing is better. What's on their their preferred team's major league roster that it can be better. There's a hope element. There's a surplus value element. But there's also that unknown element. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if part of the excitement of prospects is surplus value. Right? It's like part of the utility. <laughs> uh, but right, right the, the you that I guess that is true. You have to be a pretty big nerd to get excited about surplus value. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but if you are, for example, a Cleveland fan, and you know you know you have, I'm trying to think who has the most surplus value. Probably Jose Ramirez, just because he's like an MVP candidate, and even though he signed an extension, is pretty friendly to the team. Yeah, right? He's probably on our trade value. List. He might be, he might be, <laughs> but he um uh, right. So if you're a fan of Cleveland, you are certainly, I guess you're certainly happy that you have such a good player. You have a player who's signed for you know pretty clearly what he would have received in the open market because that means that your team has more flexibility to get other players. Or I probably you'd probably be less excited about the fact that it means that they can lower their payroll and the owner can can have all the money. <laughs> That's probably less exciting. If you take for granted, though, and uh, in most cases, I think you can that the team is going to spend up to a certain amount. Then the I guess the payoff for you as a fan is that it means that the team will be able to afford other talent to improve the team even more. That's the value. But the excitement is. And and actually, Jose Ramirez is probably a very bad example in this. I don't I don't think there was very much excitement at all when he was promoted. No, I mean he was uh, was he a fr- he was a fringe five guy, right? He's an alum. He was, yeah. yeah, yeah. He finished in the top five. Actually, he and Mookie Betts, who are current war leaders, were um, finalists the same year. Wow! Oh, wow. Yeah, this is why I put an eight figure. Uh, <laughs> value on this when you go yeah. public with the French Five. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, that's why you say that. I, of course, I've always credited, uh, always um, flattered when you say it. I have not received a lot in the way of offers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah. just because they're stealing it. You should have made this proprietary. Oh, I know. Uh, I know. You I'll gave announce, away I'll announce the... it as proprietary. Yeah, people I... come flocking. Uh, You're right, though. Ramirez was not—he was sort of in Lindor's shadow, I believe, and he wasn't as highly regarded, and 
He didn't have the pedigree. Yeah, I think he what he did. I think he was what he's a talented defender, but not. But Lindor is like, um, like, a, like, yeah. Lindor is like you see him and you're like, oh, that's that's an above average major league shortstop, right? And he had not hit for much power in the minor leagues. Um, so I think generally speaking, guys whose core competencies are fine middle infield defense and also makes a lot of contact. That's like the least, <laughs> that's like the least inspiring profile. Um, it's not, it's, it's valuable, but like if you're looking at the ratio of like value to excitement, uh, there you've, you've, you nailed it. Lots of value relative to excitement. Whereas like, I don't know, I feel like early days, like Javi Baez is like the, maybe the opposite. Oh, Mr. Excitement. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the, I mean, he's one of the coolest players in the league, right? Still is. Uh, yes. Right. And, uh, but I think this is this is the first year in which he really appears to have. I guess he's really parlayed his talents into on-field production in a real way, in a way that that seems deserving, like in a way that you know seems somehow comparable to the level of his talent. Because he's I think he's been he's been what a two-win player each the last couple of years, right? Yeah, I mean you can be excited and not very valuable. Yeah, who do you think yeah. is there? If you were to well, that might be a difficult question. Like, to like ask Franchi right. Cordero, right? He's right. So, so Franchi is a great example because wasn't he? Very loud tools, yeah, and the utility of those tools is pretty is the question. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess if you were to, you could do something with the scouting grades, like look at what they are relative to average, and you could like quantify the standard deviations. I guess like when you it's scouting grades, like every ten points roughly away from fifty is a standard deviation, right? So you could figure that out in terms of WAR. Yeah, I believe it's um, based off like the bell shaped curve, right? Yeah, right. And and you could see you could look at that to see who's the most the toolsiest player relative to actual value. And I have to think that, I mean, it might also make sense to weight it because I don't think that any talent evaluator feels like if it, a 60 hitter, all things being equal, say every grade is 50, but player A has a 60 on the hit tool and player B has a 60 on the arm. I don't think any talent evaluator thinks that they're equally good. The, I mean, 60 on the bat is more important than 60. Sure. Yeah. So you, I don't know, you probably have to wait. It would be pretty sophisticated algorithm you'd have to devise even if it was just kind of like the bad tool is even more important now when whether it's a ball or swing plane or combination where you take mm -hmm. a jose ramirez a low power guy in the minors and now mm -hmm. he's got 29 home runs at the break is that right 29 home runs yeah you're it's right crazy. And yeah his i mean his story is even in the context of juiced ball slash swing planes etc is kind of his his trajectory is improbable i think you'd have to say it really is yeah but yeah we should maybe we should be more excited about his type of profile in the minor leagues do you feel so now of course you live in cleveland so I, i'm assuming you get to see jose ramirez with some frequency but does he possess any kind of uh i don't know if it's mystery necessarily but when he steps in are you excited when he steps into the batter's box in a way that you is commensurate with his numbers hmm. no <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the fan has been ripped out of me yeah like i'm not it's wonderful to cover to write about baseball for a living don't get me wrong but i think it yeah. does when it's your job you just don't have quite the investment you do as a fan yeah and i i, I don't know I just i don't i don't get it i mean i'm interested to watch him play but i'm not excited well here's a question i don't know if you i don't know if you ever used the product game changer are you familiar with that no. MLB.tv Game Changer. What I'm going to do is, and I invite I invite uh, Fangraphs Audio producer Dylan Higgins to edit uh, where appropriate here because I'm about to send a file by way of Slack to you, Travis Sachuk. Okay. So presumably Dylan Higgins has made this tight, has made this audio tight. Uh, but I've just sent you a link to Game Changer, uh, which is hosted by thebaseballgauge.com. Okay. I first became aware of it, I believe, by means of the industrious Ben Lindbergh, who wrote about it at The Ringer. It's not unlike your own personal NFL red zone in that you can essentially, with the aid of MLB.tv, you can use this to whip around to all the various, uh, to anything you'd like to see, really. You can set a number of different criteria. But, Travis, have you are you at this page yet? I, I am. Okay, so if you look over on the right there, it says priority list, right? So you could choose like batter, and then you could choose what batter you want, or you could choose pitcher, or you can even choose various sorts of scenarios. Okay, right? I'm on the mobile version. Maybe I should get on the desktop version. I don't know why you're on the mobile version. <laughs> I can't even imagine why that. This is why the the, <laughs> the desktop still matters. <laughs> okay, fine. All right.
I see. Do you see it? I do. Okay. Now, if you look over there where it says priority list, do you see that? Hmm. Travis? I do. Do you really? I do, yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no advantage to lying in this case. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. So you I'd see the priority a list. i pilot of the cockpit asking me for, like, do you see this gauge? Or this, like, <laughs> fumbling around. Do you, do you see priority list on the right? <laughs> I do. Okay. And you could choose batter or pitcher or any other manner of type of criteria, and then you could choose the p- specific player team, etc. Yep. So I have, well, I don't know, uh, roughly 20 players. I got 20 players lined up there. So when, no, when those players are either up to bat or they're on the mound, uh, my MLB.tv uh, feed immediately whips around to, the, to that particular, to the relevant broadcast. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yes, it is cool. That's what I'm trying yeah. to tell you. But here's the here's the thing though is I was going to ask you how you would and I understand that this is this is there's no premeditation here. I'm going to ask you I would ask you though how you would populate that. If you if there was a thing that you wanted to see which you didn't necessarily want to monitor actively but you wanted your mlb.tv feed to to magically whisk you away to that uh, to see this person or team etc. How would you, how would you populate that? Like what would be your top 5 uh, you think? This is a fun question. I think it's a fun question. Huh. It yeah. is. Okay. Hmm. What do I want to see? I mean, can it, let, so I let's enjoy player, watching right now? Let, let, let me start <laughs> with the player we've already mentioned here, and that's Shohei Otani. Do you think you'd put Shohei Otani there? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. He'd be in my top five. He'd be in your top five. Yeah. All right. Shohei Otani. Yeah. Now, what about a player with whom you recently spoke, for example, like Scooter Jeanette? You recently spoke with Scooter Jeanette. I did. Does that? Uh, are you interested in? Um, Maybe monitoring his performance after that conversation to, or you say, yeah, Scooter Jeanette's he's good, good for him that he's good, but it's not necessarily yeah. good, good. You know, Scooter, fine, very nice man, very accommodating. What about Matt Skoll? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had Matt Davidson and Matt Skoll, and I keep mixing them up. So yeah, yes, I don't. Max would Max Muncy be in my top five? I feel like he hits a home run every time he goes up. Okay, Maybe so Muncy's a possibility. Five. I'm putting him in quote in. Yeah. Uh, Parentheses for you. You know, if there was a any time like a top prospect is called up, I'd be curious to see you know their debut or what they do. Yeah. So let me ask you. Let me. You want to you hear mine? Your fantasy team. <laughs> no, this. but do you want to hear mine? I'll do five through one for you. Yeah, please. Now I haven't updated it for a couple of weeks, so this is not necessarily reflective of my taste up to the minute. Okay. Number five, however, is is uh this is probably the most surprising of all five of them. It's John Jay. John Jay and. Uh, John Jay is of some interest to me because I noted uh, somewhat recently that he had recorded um, the best uh, batting average of balls in play over the last three years. Uh, he does not hit the ball particularly hard, but he hits it uh, with almost obsessive frequency to the opposite field. It's a very strange profile, is what I mean to say. And I realized I had not really watched that much John Jay because, oh, I don't know, he's not he is not a toolsy player, um, and he's not even valuable in the way that some other players about whom I care are, you know. So um, I said, this is a weird player. So I, I wanted to follow him. That's number five. Number four, um, and this is a player whom I would guess you, you might um, tune in to see, and it's Williams the Studio. Williams the Studio, the the, uh, the plump center fielder for the uh, Minnesota Twins. Yep. Yeah. 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 Who uh, matches one of the criterion that you mentioned, which is players who players who have debuted recently. Because, as you note, there's a layer of mystery. There's some, there's a, so, so there's some secrets. Indeed. That you'd like to uh, explore? Yeah, Williams' studio. So he's number four. Number uh, number three, this I don't think will appeal to you at all, but he's a player whose um, minor league career followed with some interest, and that's Mike Tockman. Mike Tockman, outfielder in the Rockies system. He's been up and down this year. Up and down. No response from Travis Sajic. Uh, <laughs> number two... <laughs> This is a bit of an eclectic list. Uh, yeah, sure. Number two, Nate Orff in Milwaukee. Okay. Are you familiar with Nate Orff? Uh, <laughs> I would not have him on my top five. You wouldn't, no. But he, no. you know, he's he uh, took a lot of uh, minor league plate appearances, including <laughs> including over a thousand over the last three years at uh, AAA alone, and uh, he hit a home run. It was his first major league hit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's actually his only major league hit too. So. He'll always have that home run. Sounds like an Instagram. Yep. You're going to write it? 
For someone. <laughs> For someone. <laughs> Unnamed author. And number one is uh, a player who ranks just below uh, Josh James on the haphazardly... Josh haphazardly, James. Haphazardly calculated French pipe scoreboard. <laughs> and that is uh, that is Angels infielder David Fletcher. Oh. Are you familiar with that he, name? Was he called up? He was. In fact, he's he has recorded just over 80 plate appearances for the Los Angeles Angels. Really? He's Los been Angeles. up that long? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Nearly 30 games yeah. in the major leagues now. Wow. Yeah. He's only struck out in 13% of his plate appearances. That's awesome. He swings a lot. French five, man. Woo! Eight figures. A lot of them A lot of them to the right of the decimal point. Just to hmm. the right of the decimal point. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so listen, I've, I've, I've showed you mine. Show me yours, Sachik. How about the people's list? When I go to the drop-down search bar at Fangraphs, okay. the most popular names are Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. Machado, Trout. I suspect Trout would show up in a lot of searches. Max Muncy, mm-hmm. Kyle Schwarber, I guess based upon, in part, last night's home run derby. Javi Baez, Mr. Excitement, makes some sense. Shinsu Chu, he's got oh, the yes. on-base streak, right? Makes sense. You'd want to see if he can keep it going. Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, Juan Mancata. Juan Mancata? Yoan Mancata. Yoan Mancata. Yoan Mancata. Damn it. Yoan Mancata. Yoan Mancata. I know who he is. Jose Ramirez, yeah, as you said, Jose Ramirez and Mookie Betts there, and Mike Trout, they're your, your war leaders in the major leagues. Yeah, so that makes some sense. Yoan Mancata. Yoan Mancata. Not Juan Mancata. A friend of his. <laughs> uncle. An uncle. <laughs> An uncle. A beloved uncle. Hmm. Actually, it's probably. I wonder if it to what degree it is related to the name. Again, working out of a place of deep naivete, I wonder if it is uh, related. He's, you know, he's uh, he's from Cuba, and a lot of players there have first names that begin with Y. I believe it uh, has something to do with Soviet influence. And I think I'm not lying when I say that. Does that make any sense to you? Yes. You heard it. Are you familiar with that uh, that concept before? I think so. Yeah, a lot of Cuban, uh, at least Cuban ball players, have first names that begin with Y. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you think so? Would you? Do you think you would obey the people? Would you? You would crowdsource this? I think there's some good selections in there. Okay. Like Chu, that I, you know, there's a streak. The streak is still ongoing, correct? No idea. I think he has a non-base streak that's still going. Yeah. I, could be I mean, he, he did as of not more than a week ago, I believe, because the esteemed Jay Jaffe wrote about it for Fangraphs.com. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good one. Bets, of course, has been amazing. Yeah. A lot of exciting guys in there. Betts uh, also has the advantage of... Um, no again, pitchers, though, right? No, interesting, yeah. No. Would you put I a guess, pitcher on there? Yeah, sure. I like watching punch-outs. That's the... Usually, that's how... That's If you if you were going to sit down to watch a game from beginning to end, choosing the pitching matchup is typically the most reliable way to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that... I don't know exactly the uh, how our popularity drop-down bar works, mm-hmm. but I'm, I suspect the Homer Derby has something to do with those results. I think that you, I, th- I bet that you would select uh, for your top five. You might select Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I think that. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I think he's on pace we, for like three hundred strikeouts. Yeah, I think we can both agree that he has uh, before and probably will again rub some people the wrong way. That's a matter of public record, I believe, right? It's not an opinion, <laughs> but uh, he certainly thinks about the art of pitching, the art and science of pitching with some with some depth. He does. And he's able to complement it with uh, physical ability. Like, imagine if you could throw 95 miles per hour, Travis Sochik, with your <laughs> with the depth of thought for, of which you're capable. capable? No, I, uh, I would have, there's psychological barriers t- for me to be able to perform on that. Would you be a, upset? A that, like that. Uh, would you lobby, uh, would you lobby whatever club for which you played? Would you lobby for them to, to use more earth tones in their color scheme? <laughs> yeah. Like the, uh, Charleston boiled peanuts. <laughs> what if, have you seen? They're going to be, uh, yeah, the River Dogs are going to change for one game. They're going to be, their moniker will be the, the boiled peanuts, and they have mm-hmm. boiled peanut jerseys. It's a Southern delicacy. The boiled. Yeah, peanuts. I don't know. I never had a, a, I've never had a boiled peanut. Quite tasty. Did, I you think. lived in South Carolina for a yeah. while. Yeah. Yeah. You a peanut man? Yeah, as, as much as the next man. <laughs> what you do? Do you eat? Can you eat the shell in that case? No. But I, I do enjoy a boiled peanut on occasion. Right. So wait, with a boiled peanut, you still have to open up the shell. True? You do. And you get the, uh, the I guess, the raw form of the peanut, the green peanut, mm-hmm. green shell, and you boil them for several hours. And, that, and then you, the shell is, it's fairly easy to peel. 
Okay. It's like. Uh, and what is the consistency of the peanut then? Does it have liquidity? <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> it is. It has some liquidity. Some liquidity. It, it's uh. It's not quite chewy, but it's been broken down to some degree. It's less firm and more liquidy. Yeah. What about the color puce? Do you think you would lobby? <laughs> you think you would like that? The color puce? Yeah, I'm not big on puce, but uh, yeah, I would. Guy. You got to check out the boiled peanuts jersey, though. It's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Put that on my to-do list. You know what? I'm going to put that on my bucket list. <laughs> right at the top. I think it's an inspired decision. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to hold you to a to a list that you'd craft, but oh yeah, I need to give you. You've given me no. You've given me Otani, basically, which I would uh, characterize as a no-brainer, as in oh, and Muncie. One... I said Muncie. Okay, right. So Otani, Muncie, uh, the studio. Yes, yes, fascinating player. Are you familiar with the Phil Collins song "Susu a Studio"? That should be his walk-up song. Yeah, yeah. got three. I feel like there should be a pitch on the list. Well, I think already, Trevor Bauer, he would be on my list. Okay, right. We, uh, did, we did mention Trevor Bauer. He leads, he leads baseball at F4. Okay. Did you see he went on MLB Network at the All-Star Game? And Greg Amsinger, I believe, is the host's name. Mm-hmm. Asked Bauer if he knew he was leading baseball and wins a better replacement. And he was citing mm-hmm. our Fangraphs version. Yeah. And Bauer said, he, he laughed and said, obviously, yes. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. It's a good plug for Fangraphs. Good plug, yeah. Could be valuable to him. Although too, I don't think they actually way. mentioned our website's name, but they used our our war calculation. I noticed that you uh, you uh, cited it as F war. You know, if you if you're employed by Fangraphs, you just say war. Right, right. right. It's just like in. But uh, on the the world of Twitter, I wanted to make the distinction. Right. Yeah, but it's just like in France, they just call them fries. There's no need, no need to call them. Fries. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Or sure. if you're in Canada, you just call it bacon. Yeah. 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 You might want to edit out that part of this program. No, I think we'll <laughs> leave it in. We'll reveal, we'll reveal your true your true allegiances, I think. Who else would I want to see? I don't know. There's a lot of good players out there. A lot of Oh boy. A lot of exciting players. Yeah, but who but who who appeals to Travis Ochek? Is there anyone uh, who's veiled in mystery for you? Maybe a West Coast player who you don't get to see all that often. Eric Hosmer. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll put him right here on your list. Yeah. That's your fifth player. There we go. We're done. Okay. Fill it out. Would you write a post like this one? You know what? Okay. Like an Adam Simber. I like watching submarine style guys. Okay. Right? We'll He's a submarine off. guy? Yeah. Yeah. Adam Simber. Yeah. Something right. weird like that. That's that's fun. When you write a post, how realignment could improve the All-Star game. And in fact, I mean, you've written multiple posts on realignment, how it could look, right? This is a speculative document, right? It is essentially, it is. It, is a, it is really a thinly veiled proposal is what it is. It is a thinly veiled suggestion. Right. Do they, <laughs> now, do you anticipate that this that this post by Travis Sachik, how realignment could improve the All-Star game, do you think that this is going to be run up the, uh, you know, the, the leadership chain over at <laughs> the Major League Baseball offices? I bet there's been a hastily called meeting this afternoon. It's going to live. It's going to land on Rob Manfred's desk, and someone's going to say, have you seen what Sachik wrote? <laughs> is that it again? Is that it? Uh, another, another gem, I believe is how they, they, they characterize it. Yeah, you know, I don't know about this particular post, mm-hmm. and I know Fangraphs isn't, isn't quite the, uh, as widely read as, you know, say the New York Times. You know? But I, I, I do think many people within baseball at least visit our website every day, mm-hmm. whether it be front offices or coaches or commissioners, you know, commissioners, commissioners. personnel. Assorted commissioners. Yeah. Uh, Is that commissioner, plural? I don't know if it's the Greek. Or... Yeah, I stumbled there. But uh, yes, the point is, I do think we're like a, a niche industry publication in some ways. Mm-hmm. So people are always looking for ideas. And whether they're good ideas or bad ideas, I think someone probably looked at it. Maybe they laughed at it. Maybe they think interleague plays wonderful. I think it's awful, and I would like to see it gone, or at least the way it current. I would like, if interleague plays to exist, I would like it to be lesser volume in nature and more of a, like, give it an exclusive week or two in the calendar, which they can't really do with 30 teams and 15 in each league. But that's another reason why 32, as, as Manfred has cited, it's an important number because it eases some of the scheduling problems that exist today. 
yeah, it creates a, it was, well, it's divisible by a number of uh, other figures, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm. You can arrive at two even numbers in each league. Hence, yeah. pairings and no interleague play is even necessary. Are you against interleague play in its uh, completely? I could see lim- I would like interleague play perhaps in limited fashion where you, if there's a natural geographic rival, like the Mets and Yankees should probably play if they're not in the same league, which I guess they wouldn't be, or the right. Chicago teams. The Battle of Ohio, the Ohio Cup, yes. A, so you'd want them? You'd want them or not? I, I would be okay with it being done away with in totality, but I would be okay with interleague play in a more limited fashion. Right. But the other, I think, what what also troubles me deeply, is that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this unbalance. In, there's in these light unbalanced... of world events, in light of world events, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm glad that this is. We appreciate that this is the thing that's troubling you deeply. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, uh, you have all the. We're gonna have more wild cards, I think, in the future, or mm. more playoff spots. But mm-hmm. shouldn't there be more games allocated to within league play, where, say, the Brewers and Phillies are meeting more often than where they they meet twice a year? Dodgers, Brewers, Dodgers, Braves. These are more interesting matchups than Dodgers Rangers. I don't need Dodgers Rangers in my life. I don't think Dodger fans need that. Ranger fans. I would like to see more intra-league play, especially if we're going to have a future of four wild cards and a two-division set up in each league, or probably four divisions in each league and mm-hmm. six playoff spots. There should be more balanced scheduling and more intra-league play out of, just out of, I think, competitive fairness, but also just interest in September. We want to see these teams compete more head-to-head. Uh, I think it would be more compelling baseball. In addition to the mystery element, of when teams meet in the World Series or the All-Star game is played, they don't face each other. We don't really know what to expect, and it might be the only time all year we see Mike Trout face off against Max Scherzer or something like that. Right. That is my argument, and I feel it is a strong and convincing and persuasive one. Let me say two things. First is... Uh, Many commenters I'm, disagreed. <laughs> I, may, I mentioned a phrase uh, earlier. What The phrase that I meant was run up the chain of command, that when Sachik published this post... It was run up the chain of command at MLB, at MLB's offices. That's oh. the that's the phrasing that I intended. I see. That's the one thing I wanted to say. Oh. The other the other thing I wanted to say is, um, you mentioned that one of the divisions, I, I, who was it? Uh, maybe Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. The Rust Belt division. Yes, you refer to it as the Rust Belt division, and I was wondering. Uh, first of all. I think that's great. I think that uh, it it's an attempt to assign or to capture a spirit of regional identity. And I think, as you noted, that there is a sort of these um, regional rivalries are are effective. They're they're good for the, I the sport. I believe so. But yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I was just wondering if that was a if that was a uh, a term which the residents of that area, if it, in which uh, in which they take some actual pride, if they're if they tend. To have an, a neutral reaction to it, or if some would, uh, some would uh, find it disparaging. Yeah, right. I mean, I am a resident of the. I've lived in both cities, right? And uh, it's a way to encompass the region, and I would have sort of a neutral reaction to it. Perhaps neutral, slightly to the point of pride. Or yes, we. This is the industrial heartland. Most of it's gone, but this is where America was built, essentially. The steel and the skyscrapers, all that automobiles it was built. That's the identity of this region. Right. So responsible he, for the, I mean the uh, what the Midwest makes and the world takes. That's Trenton's. <laughs> that's Trenton's motto. But uh, probably the Midwest would say, "Hey, we did a lot of stuff too, buddy." Yeah. The Rockefeller Division, <laughs> Carnegie <laughs> Division, the Carnegie yeah. Division. Some important yeah. things happened here, man. I know the coastal elites. I want to overlook that. What I hear you advocating is that a is that every division would be named after a a certain American captain of industry, <laughs> who uh, while you know pushing forward uh, or prompting progress throughout the country, also probably uh, you know ruined millions of lives in the process. <laughs> is that what I hear you saying? The Bezos division, right? <laughs> but that well, actually, we could, that would be the, of course the Northwest could be, or you know, I mean. It could be the Gates, the Gates Division, yeah, in the on the West Coast, right? But uh, no, sh- no shortage of uh, captains of industry for uh, for really any of these uh, these regions. Yeah, but I I do think there's something to regional geography, regionalism, and rivalries. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the Giants Dodgers is a great rivalry. 
mm-hmm. because it was based upon geography, right? Started in New York and kind of transferred over to California. Red Sox Yankees are, are near each other. They're also of similar market sizes. And you could tell me more about the nature of rivalries and of the Eastern Seaboard. But I do think if you we look at college football, it's very popular, I think, in part because of you know geographic rivalries, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Auburn, that sort of thing. So I think when you are closer to your neighbors and you're fighting over scarce resources, that increases, in this case, wins and division titles, that increases you know hostility <laughs> and interest. And I do think there's a benefit of that. And also the Players Association would love it because it would reduce their travel miles. I, well, you, yeah, you mentioned, was yeah. it uh, Jared Hughes? Yes, Jared Hughes. Mm-hmm. Good With guy. whom I assume you're acquainted from his days as a Pittsburgh. Indeed, a so I feel comfortable putting crazy ideas by him for his opinion. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think every player would be all for fewer hours spent in charter planes and on the road, that sort of thing. I actually uh, now I first of all I'm, um, I took I took some pleasure in uh, the fact that you referred to yourself as an extremist. <laughs> yes, and, and this you, you, you're a realignment extremist. I am. Oh. Would you would you refer to yourself as a as a as a realignment zealot? <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to comp- compromise on this issue. At any point, do you think you would use the word jihad to describe <laughs> your feelings about realignment? Uh, is this a personal holy war of sorts? I don't. It, it, maybe yeah. it's becoming that. Yeah, a minor holy posts war. now. Yeah, uh, but uh, one I think what one possible criticism someone one could levy. Perhaps reasonably against it is that there would be um, an imbalance, maybe, if one division were particularly weak. But I actually, I would submit that that's also one of those things. Well, in French, you'd say <laughs> you'd say tant pis, tant pis, tant pis pour toi. It means too bad. <laughs> um, my, of course, my, my uh, wife says that to me a lot. She says tant pis pour toi. Yeah, which I think is a fair assessment because, uh, yeah, sorry, you just didn't get there. But I would, uh, I also think that. Many regions, another like a one quality they share, especially if the teams are sort of close enough together, there is a sort of, um, I could probably correct myself as soon as I've uttered the sentiment aloud, but there tends to be some sort of continuity in terms of wealth between the cities, right? Right. I, I think the, the three-division alignment helped the central teams because it bucketed some of the smaller markets together. So it allowed for a more uh, accessible pathway into postseason. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Have you ever read anything on that, or is that just is that a Travis Sochik original? Uh, I don't know if it's original, and I don't know if it was intended by the by the baseball powers that decided that. But it sort of had that way of uh, bucketing the larger coastal markets and the smaller central ones together. And I assume when baseball goes to thirty two, which I I think is that's that's what Rob Manfred wants to happen. Uh-huh. And that throughout history, it's always expanded for the most part. That we're going to. C32. So then it'll be question, will it be eight-team divisions or four-team divisions? And I assume it'll be four-team divisions because that allows for more uh, made-for-television division playoff races to be created, right? Yeah. What do you, uh, what do you cite, what have you cited as the, the two most likely? No, one of them in theory would be international, isn't that right? Yeah. Manfred has gone on, he's had some interviews where he's expressed a preference for baseball to expand internationally. And Montreal is obviously, I don't know if they're the favorite, but they've been commonly cited as, as a likely expansion site. I, I think they're having some issues with their stadium funding. I don't know. I don't think Canadians are very... I think the idea of public publicly financing a stadium is not popular. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if Mexico is ready for, to host a team, but they've been connected to. Yeah, I, or... Uh, on the other hand, it's possible Major League Baseball is not ready to have a team be hosted by Mexico. Might be the other way of, of phrasing that. I have been to, uh, no, I have not. I lie. I have not been to Foro del Sol, uh, which was the previous home of the Mexico City, Mexico City Red, Mexico City Red Devils. I think Mexico City Red Devils. Yeah, Diablos Rojos, right. Okay, you have um, been there. I have been there. Yeah, they no longer oh, play nice. in uh, Foro del Sol. Foro, Foro Sol, Foro del Sol. They play in uh, Estadio Frenano now. And I have been there, and I was there with Craig Robinson. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, it was fun. A lot of fun. It was a great it was a great way to watch baseball. We were actually at I believe it was a spring training game. I could be lying about that too though. Full of lies is what I am. Now, Full of them. Nate Silver had a post. I think it was in reference to uh the NFL thinking about Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And like the average income in Mexico City proper is on par with, you know, most American metropolises. So maybe Mexico is ready to host 
Yeah, I'm not really in a position to comment on the socioeconomic health of Mexico City. I could tell you that I I mean, I was very much I was in the district where you're most likely to find people who look and talk like me, (laughs) which, by the way, I don't know. I think it'd be good for baseball to eventually have a major league team in Latin America somewhere. Well, of course, the sport is very popular. Are you one thing I was surprised about? I feel the need to do this over and over, so I'm going to do it. And um, and it, I most mostly I do not know what I'm talking about, but I can tell you a thing that surprised me about visiting Mexico, especially I think Roma Norte is is the neighborhood in which I stayed, which is pretty close to the center of the city. I was I was actually surprised by how much this how much Spanish it was necessary to know because I you know sort of having been other foreign countries, mostly Europe, right? You can generally get by in big cities with like apologetic English. You're like, you know, you know, a couple of phrases in the native language. And then you're just like, you know, uh, you know, in France, it's, uh, uh, you know, you say, Désolé, uh, je suis un imbécile. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm an imbecile. And uh, <laughs> usually that puts you on decent footing uh, with whomever the uh, That's a business smart play. Is. That's a smarter strategic decision. I yeah. always lead with that. Yeah. You set this, set very low standards. But uh, my wife and I went to a restaurant where we attempted to employ a similar tactic. And the, the waitress was like, don't know what you're saying. <laughs> so we were like, oh. Because yeah, I tried to ask some idiot's question. So um, that's one thing about which I was surprised. But um, I'm sure, I mean, it's a giant city. That's all that I can tell you. I went to the top of a very tall building that um, apparently survived an earthquake. But still, I felt that uh, sort of a clenching, insecure feeling in my in my oh. bowels. Do you know that feeling? Yeah, I don't like heights. No, yeah, yeah. An, well, an irrational was, fear, but a fear nonetheless. Yeah. Well, I think it's. it's I guess it's what a primordial feel, right? You're not supposed to be high. Why? Why are right. you up here? Right. Yeah. I'm only designed to sustain a fall from a certain height and come out yeah, from unscathed. It. I'm going to say it wrong. Torre Latinoamericana. Torre Latinoamericana. The Latin American tower, basically. Apparently, it survived the giant earthquake in what nineteen. 1983 or something like that. Oh, yeah, something like that. 1984, 1983, 1984, 1972. <laughs> anyway, it survived some. It survived a giant earthquake, and uh, so we went into it, and um, we had a drink, but uh, still terrified the entire time I was there. You, know, you can really see a lot, though. You can see it uh, stretches it stretches as far as uh, the human eye can see, or at least my own human eyes. I can't speak to other people's human eyes. Well, it's like 50 million. You're talking about the city. Yeah, talking about the yeah, city. It's like 50 million people, right? I guess. Largest city in North America. Probably sounds right. Are there larger cities in the world then? <laughs> what do you know, Travis Fletcher? <laughs> huh? I'm not afraid to admit my own lack of general. <laughs> no. My, my knowledge base is very small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me say this. What a lucky person I am that I get to speak with you periodically at Fangraphs.com. You think so? Yeah, I think it's really, you know, a lot of people don't get this opportunity to uh, to speak with uh, Travis Sachik on the regular. Well, hey, yeah, look you know, at, I'm look looking for in. some friends on the west side of Cleveland, so I invite people. I, I invite strangers to approach me. <laughs> That's right. Actually, I was recently, uh, recently a canvasser came, uh, knocked at our door, and it was an it was a older guy, mid-60s maybe, and he said, uh, he said, are you really Carson Stooley? Really? He did say that, and he, he did not know who I was at all. He said someone in the office was like, I can't believe Carson Sestouli lives in Bath. Wow. But I do. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's objectively the best town. You might build up enough political capital to run for mayor down the road. There's where you're wrong. I don't know. Well, it's impossible because we don't have a mayor. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe you could consolidate power and create the office. <laughs> <laughs> could I be the uh, iron... Iron-fisted zealot of a, what, what of a small New England town. Like clashing warlords? What's going on there? Most, most chieftains. <laughs> 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 no, we have a, we just have a city council, and then we have a uh, tribal elder, a madam councillor, mm. madam councillor. Yeah, better refer to Mar- Mary Yasko as madam councillor. Yeah, she's in charge of the whole thing. You can watch. I, I would I would suggest it to anybody. Who likes riveting, riveting audiovisual footage? Uh, you can watch Bath, Maine's uh, city council meetings. I frequently do. A lot happening in this small town. Yeah, yeah. We got a new high school being built. Oh wow! Yeah, there's a new store going on downtown Front Street. <laughs> that looks like it's going to have a great selection of uh, oh. beer and wine. Oh. So there's politics so are local, man. You have a lot more chance to influence those politics than national ones. Let me remind you. Yeah. 
when are you running? When are you going to unseat Kumar there in Bay Village? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. My, I'm, I'm on the Kumar train now. I'm a fan. Whoa. Yeah, because he came by our house. I wasn't here, and yeah. he introduced himself to my wife and her three-year-old, mm. and he welcomed us to the neighborhood. So now I have a very, like... diff- I have a very. Good That's all it took. Yeah, it sounds not... sounds like it's all it all took. You just needed personal attention. Yeah, so I'm good now. You know, uh, what if, what if I told you this though? What if I had word from Kumar's office that he purposely planned the visit to correspond with the time when you wouldn't be there? How would you feel? Then how my would you opinion feel about would that? change. Yes. Yeah, of course, then yeah. my opinion would yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just today, <laughs> Politico has uncovered some documents Uh-oh. that might be of interest to you regarding Uh-oh. Kumar. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think Bay Village is well positioned for the future. We're yeah. good. I think Bayville is going to be okay. Hey, you know what? Uh, I believe that you have fulfilled your obligation to Fangrass Audio, Travis Sajic. Excellent. Well, it's, a, it's also a pleasure to speak with you on a uh, fortnightly basis. Or maybe yeah. perhaps yeah. the interludes are expanding given the uh, new responsibilities and new employees. But nonetheless, I enjoy speaking with you. Yeah, right. I say on regu- a regular a regular appearance. I think that's right. A biannual basis. <laughs> there are more employees now, as you mentioned, and there are also, and also Dave Cameron's not around. Uh, he served as a bit of an anchor. You know, he was here every week, but his departure has, you know, made everything more difficult. We're going to be getting daycare soon, though. I think that should open things up. Oh, what do you think? yeah, yeah, it helps. You become, yeah, it helps. Open up the day a little bit. Well, I take long walks, like you. Use my time to take long walks. Every time I call Travis Sachik, he's on a walk. Yeah, that's where these thoughts spring up. Mystery in the All-Star game? Yeah, I, I recommend it. <laughs> so you get your big ideas? Yeah, big ideas. Right. Well, I'm interested, once you set up your uh, your priority list there, I'm interested to see uh, see how, how it works for you. Yeah. I mean, it would. I would be changing mine by the day, depending on pitching matchups. And... You say uh, you would be doing it, but I guess, well, I guess you'd never heard of it before. Do you think oh. you'll use this product now? Uh, in a hypothetical way, I don't know, well, but I, I do you, think it's interesting. But what means you usually do? You usually sit down and watch games on your laptop. I have MLB TV. I have the account, but I usually mm-hmm. watch games actually on my television. What are you? What are you? Someone's grandfather? <laughs> <laughs> what are you? A grandfather? Uh, I like to get. A, I look at my laptop all day. I don't want to. I, don't I, know. I like saying. to get away yeah. from it. Was that like Sportsnet Ohio or something? What is it? Fox Sports Ohio. Fox Sports Ohio. Yeah. And you watch uh, you watch your, your Cleveland Indians, huh? Or the Cleveland Indians. Uh, on occasion, yep. ESPN gave it Sunday night baseball. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But uh, now that I have this new tool, watch out. Yeah. You ever watch uh, Price is Right with Drew Carey? <laughs> Cleveland's only celebrity. <laughs> that's, what, well, that's what I was thinking. He's from Cleveland. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we need to showcase some other people. We, he's a decent have... celeb. He's a decent celebrity, yeah, don't I mean, you think? Yeah, he's decent. Authentic? Would you say he's authentic, or do you feel mm, maybe put out by the fact that he's in? Isn't he kind of sort of Seattle, all Seattle-y now? I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like there's other people we could showcase on occasion. Who are some notable? Who are the most notable of Clevelanders right now? Paul Kumar could be highlighted. You think so? Influential power broker on the west side of the city. Yeah. A lot of political cachet in, uh, in the west side there, Bay Village. Michael Simon, he's pretty famous, right? Who's that? Restaurateur? He might be to other people, not to me. Would I have seen him on Chopped, for example? I think so. I don't watch Chopped. <laughs> <laughs> I live a few yeah. miles from the uh, the guy who invented Swiffer. guy who invented what? Swiffer. The Swiffer? Yeah. He has a uh-huh. big lakefront mansion. Apparently, you can become wealthy off inventing Swiffer. That's He's got that Swiffer money. Yeah. That's big money. Yeah. How about that? Hey, is it true what they say that uh, Jim Jarmusch is from Cleveland? Hmm. Is that true what people are saying? People might be saying that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Elliot Ness lived in Bay Village. Is he some sort of criminal? He hunted down criminals. Oh, yeah, right. Or a famous FBI agent, right? And there's actually an old old trolley line ran through my backyard here in Bay Village. It connected Toledo to Cleveland. It wasn't called a trolley. It was some sort of electric train. It's defunct. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you should come out here. I got a kayak now. All sorts what do you of mean you got a kayak? I bought a kayak. Went on the lake. You ever go out on the lake? I went out for the first time last week. And are you a good kayakist? 
Kayakista? <laughs> uh, probably not particularly, but I have a life jacket. Huh. Take some of the fear out. Went out, went down the Rocky River. That's uh, that seems daring. It's got, it's called. It's got the word Rocky right in it. Yeah. Anyway, what about Bone Bone Thugs and Harmony? Are but, they from? They are. Yes, they are famous. I'm not sure how many are still in existence. Active? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like. Are they doing work these days? I don't know. I've been gone a long time. I need to catch up on famous people. Yeah. Well, you probably. I mean, you probably don't even know what's going on over there on the west I, side. I don't. Are people saying you forgot your you forgot your roots? <laughs> I did, quite literally. Well, that's good information. That's good information. Hey, Travis Sachik. Yeah. Pleasant to speak with you as always. Likewise. This has been Travis Sachik. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this has been Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.